So we began the introduction last week to the Khazarin. And we spoke about the story of the king of Khazar and how he was given instruction from a malach. The intention is good, but the way you're going about fulfilling it is not good. So the king decides to explore religion. And just to explain to the outside what's going to happen before you read the inside, he's going to look to different religions, different belief systems, and he's going to examine each one with the eyes of somebody who's not involved. Like I said, he wasn't a gabedover. And as an outside observer, he's going to analyze the various religions that are presented to him. And he's, as you're going to see, he's a counter-argument to each one of them. Now, the, even though it's not really a religion, the first person that, so to speak, he meets in his quest for truth, in his quest for finding MS, is a philosopher. Before we go into the arguments of the philosopher, we have to understand a little bit of the background of the time. The, the influence philosophy had on the thinking of the times of the Rishonim. And we see from a number of Rishonim who dealt with philosophy, so to speak, that it was a major contender, so to speak, for understanding, understand, understanding how the world works. If you look at the time of the Rishonim, there were three different approaches that the Rishonim took in how to deal with, so to speak, the claims of the philosophers. Now we have to understand something. Really, the principles of philosophy came from ancient Greece. The, the, the great philosophers who built the principles of philosophy, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, all the times of the Tanoim were even before that. And yet, the power of the ideas held sway even the times of the Rishonim, which was over a thousand years later. So it definitely defined the way people thought, and even the times of the Rishonim, it was still a prominent force, which the Rishonim felt obligated to challenge, to argue with, because that was, in their minds, uh, a primary reason, so to speak, which was disturbing people accepting the principles of Yiddishkeit. We find, like I said, three different Rishonim who deal with philosophy. Each one took a different track how to deal with it. What is philosophy? You're going to explain. Oh. You're going to explain. There's the approach of the Rambam, which is the Marina Vuchim. There's the approach of the Ramban, which he talks about in a number of places in his spiritual Torah, and how he how he deals with the philosophers, arguments of philosophers. And then there's the approach of the Kuzari. The Kuzari. He was a contemporary, lived at the same time. He had a third way of dealing with the with what philosophy claims. Now, the Rambam's approach, as is well known, was not accepted by everybody. There were the, the Rishonim of France at the time who held it was clear. They burnt the Marine of Akhimpamukli, as is well known. Even Darius later, there were many who argued with the approach of the Rambam of The the Khazari's approach was, as we'll see when we see it inside, was the easiest way to, to deflect the argument, so to speak. What I want to really talk about now first, as we'll discuss a little bit, all three, is the approach of the Ramban. And the reason is because it explains to us the best what, the, what philosophy was. What philosophy was and why it became such a, so to speak, strong argument against the Emunah of the Emunah of the Baruch. 
So what the Ramban explains is like this. He says, philosophy, as we know, began with the Greeks. Why was the science of philosophy, the science of understanding, the science of knowledge, if you want, why did it begin with the Greeks? Why were there all the nations before that who weren't necessarily unintelligent people? None of them developed this way of thinking, with this, this, this mode of, of trying to understand. What began in Greece that didn't exist before that? And the Ramban tells us the principle, and this is the, the fundamental point of the Ramban's answer to philosophy. This has been accepted after the Ramban by all the Akronim as the, as the primary have to, to deal with philosophy. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm using him first. The Ramban says like this. The Ramban says that the reasons why the Greeks developed philosophy is because there was a lack at that stage in the world which the Greeks had no other way to fulfill. And what was the lack which came in the time of the Greeks, which wasn't there before that? So he quotes the work from Talon, the Seder Oilam, from Rabbi Yisrael that he writes, the year that Alexander the Great became king of Greece was the year the last Novi died. was the year the last Novi died. And therefore, Greece as an empire, or Greece as a culture, was the first nation, so to speak, the first civilization to confront a world where there was no longer Novi. There was no longer prophecy. Explains the Ramban. Explains the Ramban. And these are the Vulnagans is the same thing. It says the Ramban, until that time, people had knowledge of a spiritual world. They might have misused it for Avada Zara, or for, for false prophecy, or for using it for Kishaf, for Shemus, or Tum, or whatever it would be. But there was knowledge of a spiritual world. No one doubted its existence. No one doubts its existence. We'll explain much more how the spiritual world worked and how it could be used or misused. But everyone knew it was there. And therefore, every other religion had, it made, had misunderstood it or misused it as a way desire. But no one denied its existence. No one denied there was such a thing. What happened in the time of the Greeks, what happened in the time of the Greeks is the Ashokhesa at the time, they asked Hashem to remove the Yetzirah of Avedazar. Like the Gemara says in Yuma, it was too powerful a temptation for people. It, had, it was directly responsible for the problem of the first place of Mikdash. And Isaac Yasagadola felt that had that Avedazar had been still a, still a challenge, it would have been too strong for people in the second place of Mikdash also. So they asked Hashem to remove the Yetzirah of Avedazar. Now, what did Hashem do? So what the Gemara says, what Kaddish Prophet did is in, to respond to that request, how does him take away the Yetzirah of Avodah He took away the understanding necessary for Avodah In other words, Avodah is built on an understanding of how spiritual system works, which can be misused. If there's no longer understanding of the spiritual system, you can't misuse it. You don't know how it works. And therefore Hashem blocked, so to speak, understanding of how the spiritual world works. That's what the Sunnah there's no prophecy because there would also be that's also an understanding of how the spiritual world works. And therefore, it was no longer shy to interact wrongly with that world because one doesn't understand it. We don't connect to it the same way. Okay. The first religion, the first religion, or the first system, which, which was built without a knowledge of a spiritual world was Greece. Like the third item says, Greece began as an empire the year the last Navi died. And if that's the case, the existential questions which every human being had until then, 
what's is there a purpose in life, where does we come from, what's directing the world. And all previous nations, cultures had an answer because there was a knowledge of how spiritual world works. Right? Greece was now com- for confronting a vacuum. They didn't have any knowledge of that. It wasn't available anymore. And it didn't just start for the unit, it started for the across the board. No one had a knowledge of the spiritual mutsius. And if that's the case, became a new science, was a development of trying to understand how things work. And, and that's philosophy. Cesar and Vanatari, the first ones to go that route, was the Yevani, he calls, calls Aristotle, and his Tomidu. They had to develop a new system to try and explain how things work, because there wasn't a knowledge of how things work in the spiritual sense. Now, this broke into different branches. And even today, anyone who's done science knows that science works, works on the same two original branches of, of knowledge that the Greeks developed then. The one is something which can be proven. We can experiment and we can prove something. Trial and error. We do something, we see it works, so we can understand how a system works because we've proven that it works a certain way. Uh, just to take the most simple example. We know that if we boil water, it turns into steam. We know every time we boil water, it's going to turn into steam. So we've built a certain axiom. Water at a certain point becomes steam. Whatever it is. That's an experiment which is provable, and you can see that it's true. And now it's just exploring and examining things through principles which we can establish and understand. Then there's a second branch of knowledge, which is things we can't prove. We have to speculate. We have to speculate and try and understand based on assumptions which we have no way of proving. And then those, those two branches differentiate into, to, I mean, the, the Greeks have different names for these sciences, but just to use as, I know the Greek names, the names today, right? the one branch is the sciences, so to speak, and the other one is philosophy. In other words, trying to posit an explanation for something which we have no way to prove. So what are we basing it on? If you can prove something, so then you can prove it. We can show it to you. You can try the experiment yourself and it will work as well. If we have no way to prove it, so there has to be a certain fundamental system in trying to understand things, to lay down axioms and understanding, whatever it's going to be, and build maskanas based on that. Which was really the study originally of philosophy, was to try and like, make a mahalik and trying to explain how things work without, without the knowledge of a spiritual world, based on what we can understand over here. Now, the problem is that obviously, without what a person could speculate on their own, right? Maybe makes sense from the rules of logic a person can put into place. But a person can speculate on their own would never get them something beyond what a person would think. Would never get them something beyond what a person would understand. And therefore, philosophy intrinsically is limited to what a person can understand. Right? It's trying to understand things from the perspective of a human being, but it's limited to what a person can understand. And only to admit they don't understand beyond their point. They can't admit that. It doesn't exist. Everything is based on what we understand, and therefore we have to explain things the way we understand it. I mean, just to give one very extreme example, which was brought down. Aristotle went to count the stars, and he came with a certain number of how many stars there are. And now we know he was off by millions. But why? Because he, had, he didn't have the ability then to have telescopes to see solar systems which he couldn't, weren't available to, you know, weren't visible to the naked eye. So you're trying to explore the world based on what you can understand. You're limited by what you have to understand. 
things which are beyond what you can understand, either because the science hasn't developed yet to show it to you, or because it's something which a person wouldn't have thought of. It's beyond his level of understanding, you'll never come to. It's true for the sciences also. Not 100%, because all built in the same logic. That when, before science discovered that there was molecules, and before they discovered that broke into cells, that broke into atoms, there was no having any of these things. It wasn't something a person would have thought of. And there wasn't the tools yet to discover it, so we made it, it didn't exist. In other words, if you're trying to use human understanding as the basis for what you're going to understand, you limit it both what people are aware of and also what people can conceptualize. Now, when it comes to science, the science develops, and as the tools get better, you can, we're aware of more things we didn't know about before. Right? When it comes to philosophy, then we stuck. Because a person's mind can, can only conceptualize a certain amount. That's as far as it's going to go, and your person won't on his own think beyond that. Therefore, says Zerambayim, philosophy came in the absence of Nevoah. Philosophy came in the absence of a knowledge of spiritual world, was a human attempt to try and make sense of the world. A human went to try and understand how things work, but without knowledge. Being as there wasn't the alternative, there wasn't Nevoah at the time. So what was the answer to philosophy? In other words, if you're going to apply logic versus logic, it's going to be very hard to argue. Because if, 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 if then it's just the question of, did the person, did the philosopher build his case logically? Did the philosopher build his case logically? And you have to try and undo his logic. It's very difficult. The Rambam tried that Mahalach. The Mahalach of Marina Vuchim is to argue philosophy on philosopher's terms. Right, which is very difficult. Because Rambam himself writes that Aristotle got to the level of Chachm with the most possible without Nebuch. Right? So to try and argue somebody who's a bigger Chacham on his argument, on his terms, right, is very difficult. The Vilna God in one place writes very strongly against the Rambam. And he says that trying to argue the philosopher's terms made him think their way of thinking, and it made him make mistakes in understanding Gemaras because he was influenced by the way the philosophers thought. What's the Vilna God talking about? One of the things the Rambam writes is that there's no such thing as Shadu. Why? Because it doesn't fit into the understanding based on philosophy. I'm going to explain by this. Oh, the Gemara is talking about Shadim all over the place. So this is what the Rambam, this is what the Vilnagon says, that it's a place where the Rambam was influenced by philosophy and it made him misunderstand what the Gemara is mean. So that's the, one, that's the one way to, so to speak, counter the arguments of philosophy, to try and get into a debate on the terms of the philosophers, which the Rambam, he more or less is successful in the but it's hard to understand it because you have to work with the way they were thinking and try and disprove them. Right. The second Mahalakh is the Mahalakh of the Ramban. The Mahalakh of the Ramban is... The Rambam. Who was he writing it for? He was writing it for Jews who were confused by the arguments of philosophy. So he had to be thinking on a very high level. Right. And he, he, he goes into the arguments to try and disprove it you know, as in, in the, in the, in, within the terms of the arguments, so to speak. Hundred percent. That's what I said. Even though the philosophers who he's talking about were a thousand years before him, right, it was enough of an influence in the way the world thought that at the time of the Rambam, a thousand years later, it was still the major challenge, and that was what was causing people focus in their mind. Because the things that he said. And they understood that he had been influenced by philosophy against the Munna. Now, there's a way to explain the Rambam. The Rambam was a god of Hadi. There's a way to explain the Rambam. But they felt that he was wrong. He was like, using 
he's looking from philosophy's point of view, which we're going to see all the problems with that. That was one mahalach. To try and argue philosophy in the terms of philosophy. Now the second mahalach is the Ramban's mahalach. How to deal with it? Before I told you the Ramban's mahalach, I have to ask you a question. And that is, what happened to philosophy? That if it was such a powerful force in the world, even a thousand years after the Greeks, in the time of the Rishonim, and you see in the time of Rabbi Levi the Kazari also, because the first person that he's going to bring to talk to the king is a philosopher. That was obviously the primary option, the first choice. What happened to it? Social media. Yeah. <laughs> it died before social media. What's the real answer? Sorry? It's around if you're learning ancient Greek classics in some university library. Wow. As a way which influences the way people think, it's not around anymore. Atheism is a result of philosophy, but no one has the arguments for the philosophers to get there. So uh, why, isn't, why isn't there a challenge for Eden anymore? For Klaus anymore? The, the, the Ramban's way of answering the question is what the Ramban said before. And that is, philosophy grows in a lack of knowledge of, another, of how the system works. When there was no longer Nevoah, and therefore there wasn't the knowledge of how the spiritual system works, so then it breeds philosophy, which means people try to understand it on their own. And the, the Ramban's Mahalach is, the real answer to philosophy is understanding Kabbalah. Because if a person knows how the system works, even if it's not through Nevoah, but it's through knowledge of what we taught in the Torah how the system works, then philosophy falls apart. Because I don't need to try and posit how things work, I know. And in those Doris, the Doris of the Rishonim, Kabbalah wasn't known. Okay, do. There is himself right that there were very few Rishonim who had access to Kabbalah. The Rishonim he quotes are the Ravid, Yusuf Saginar, who was the time of the Ravid, and the Ramban. He said that, 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 that they had a Messiah in Kabbalah. How they were taught that, it's a very interesting story, but it's not for now, where they got the Kabbalah from, but it wasn't one, it wasn't widespread. The Ramban had the Ashkabbalah, that's how he said, the answer to the philosophers is, we know the system. So we don't have to try and imagine how things work, because we know how it works. In the time of the Rizal, and afterwards, when the understanding of Kabbalah became more well-known, right? and there were philosophy loses its appeal altogether. We don't have to try and posit how the world was created. We know. It's the first. What happened to the Goyim? Sorry? What happened to the Goyim? What happened to the Goyim? Why did they go philosophy? You ask a good question. Uh, the, the, there's a different, what we call in the Goyish terms, the Renaissance. The knowledge, the way that people thought about the world changed also. Everything moved to the side of science and off the side of speculation. But uh, that's a different uh, discussion. And that's the Ramban's answer. The Ramban's answer is don't you have to argue philosophy. It's coming in a vacuum. It's coming in a vacuum. And uh, if that's the case, if we understand Kabbalah, then you've answered the questions. We know how things happen. That was the Mahalach that all the late Sakhani went with. Again, they were talking after the result, they knew Kabbalah. We were talking about the Bashendal, we were talking about the Goyim, we were talking about the Ramchal, we were talking about whatever it was, we read the Maral. They were gone. It's not an argument anymore. We can answer the questions because we have a idea. Now, that's the second approach, the approach of the Ramban. Like I said, the Ramban could take that approach because he was one of the few Rishonim who did have an Emerson Messiah in Kabbalah, and therefore he could... Uh, that's what he calls Derech Emerson. Yes, as he calls Derech Now, the third approach, which is maybe the most pragmatic approach at the time, was the approach of Rabbi Levin and Kazarish you're going to see. And even though he's going to bring the arguments of the philosophers, how does he refute them? Very simply. The king says back to him, he says, The Malach told me that your kavana is Ritsuya and your Maisim aren't Ratsi. The Malach told me your intention is good, your actions aren't good. Right? All you've told me isn't going to improve my actions. And if that's the case, I'm not interested. Now, that doesn't answer anything. Right? He's, he's avoided the point. 
other arguments, true arguments, how do we refute the arguments? Rabbi Rehlev's approach was to, uh, to avoid the point. Philosophy is discussion in understanding, especially in Nakhshava. Right? Lemaisa, when it comes to Lemaisa, no, philosophy doesn't have an expression in mitzvahs, doesn't have an expression what to do. It's the argument and the understanding. And therefore, if you're going to talk about what, what I need to do, philosophy doesn't speak to me. Which is basically what the king says. You aren't helping me because even if what you're saying is very nice, that's what he says to him, he says, but Lemaisa is not going to change what I do. I'm looking for what to do. Which is a, a novel approach to how to answer philosophy. And that is, if you want to speculate, you can argue the point of, in, 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 the, in the realm of speculation. But Lemaisa, it doesn't speak to it. There isn't a practical application of philosophy. It doesn't come down to Lemaisa. And therefore, if you're going to talk about what the person Mukhuyev to do, philosophy is not a factor. That, that, that's not what it's discussing. It can discuss what to think about and how things work and how to understand and how to make logical assumptions, whatever it's going to be, not what to do. And therefore, if the khiyah of a person is, what am I meant to do? So we may not take philosophy out of the picture, because that doesn't, it's not a sign of what I'm meant to do. And like I said, even it doesn't, the argue, doesn't you know, discuss the arguments of philosophy, but it avoids the point. Taq is what I'm meant to do, that, that, that avoids the point. And that's exactly what the Khazari deals with it. I'm just going to jump the... Right. And why did he do that? Because he understood that... Sorry? Because the way the Kazari tells the story is that the Malach came to the king and said, Your deeds aren't good. So he said, Everything is very nice. It's not going to change what I'm doing. So obviously it wasn't the chat. I'll just read the answer to the Kazari before you see the argument for us. The Kazari's answer to the is going to be like this. Omar Kazari. I see what you're saying is very good. You didn't answer my question. Right? That I need, I know. That the Malach told me, what I'm doing isn't right. Even though I want to do right, I'm not doing the right thing. And if that's the case, the problem is what I'm doing. You aren't telling me anything. Now, why don't you do that? This is the third Mahalach in the Shalom has to do with philosophy. And that is, you're not going to debate it, you're not going to try and prove it right or wrong or argue with it. You're going to avoid it. You're going to avoid it. Right? At the end of the day, the Torah and Sava has to do. The fact that the misses to do obviously doesn't work with philosophy, I'm going to explain. But this is one of the arguments of the philosophy is there's nothing to do. We'll talk about that later next time, tomorrow. But if you made it, that's the case. So the starting point of Torah is you don't start with philosophy. Avoid it. It's not, and this was the Mahalikh that many of the, even the Smufurish and the Khazari, he built the story to Zayda for him. But many of the other Akhronim, the early Akhronim, went to the Mahalikh. That is, we don't, we don't argue for, we don't argue against, we don't even about him. We leave it, we don't touch it. Obviously, if the Torah doesn't work with philosophy, so we don't, we, we're not going to get involved. Why did you bring the argument? Because they were a real challenge at the time. And how is avoiding it? You know, the way to avoid it is to say, that I come with a title to do something, so obviously it doesn't work with philosophy. Why not? I don't know. But it doesn't work with philosophy. Then we don't cover it. Then we don't cover it. That's the easiest answer. Yeah. We don't have to go to the Marina Vukhim then. But then you have to prove the validity of the title then. You'll do that. But you'll do but the, the, the argument is going to be that the Torah for sure isn't compatible with philosophy. We have the Torah finished. We don't have to argue with the Torah. And this is the Mahalikh of all the Rafaelim. There's a long list of them. We say on Shunna Marinavachim, on Shunna in the first Shire of the of Havis right? Whoever ever tries to try and explain things off your philosophy, we don't know that. We have the Torah, that, that's the right philosophy is wrong. There are big names here, the Hasan Sayyaf and others, for example. But the, the, you know, they won't argue, people always make them say, I'm going to finish at this point. And it's important to me, because this is the whole Kuzari. 
We all always make the mistake of translating these Ephraim as saying, we're not meant to try and understand the Muna. And it's not true. The whole Kuzai is built to understand the Muna. Right? We are meant to understand the Muna. What they were saying is, we're not meant to argue philosophy. So to try and base the Muna on philosophy doesn't work. We know we have to do that. And when it's true, the Torah is true, we have the Torah, we know the Torah is true, as we can prove. And therefore, we made a philosophy wrong. We don't have to try and argue in philosophy's terms to try and prove it wrong. And therefore, look, the, the, another reason, Rabbeinu Bechayah, in Tachayah he goes with the Rambam. And he tries to prove a few terms of philosophy why I know that Hashem exists. So, a lot of Achrayim, we don't know the first Shara of Tachayah Salvavas. The Shara of why not? Because we don't work with philosophy. We know the Torah is true because we know the Torah is true. But it means more to you when you understand it philosophically also than logically. So once again, if we can, it's great. But if it gets confusing and the person not sure he understands, it's better to avoid. That was that mahalach. It's the same mahalach Rabbi Alavi took. We avoid it. We avoid it. And just the way he chose to avoid it was building the story in such a way that you know, it so doesn't answer the question. He doesn't have to deal with it. So again, no, just the first chapter. So this, this is someone who said tonight. What was the, the attraction of philosophy? It was, with, in lack of another way to understand the world, it presented a theory of how to understand the world. If there wasn't anything else, it became what people accepted, because there wasn't, another, there wasn't an alternative. Therefore, the way to deal with it was either the way of the Rambam, the Rebbe Bechaya, others, to try and argue philosophy on the principles of philosophy. That was the Mahalach. A lot of Rishonim and a lot of Akhrim argued with that. That's not the way to go. The second Mahalach was the Mahalach of the Ramban. And became the most accessible all the Akronim, and that is, we have Kabbalah. We know the answers to the questions they ask. Right? And once we have the Kabbalah, then obviously that is the answer. There's nothing to discuss anymore. There's not even an argument. You don't have to posit how things work when you know how things work. And the last step was, we don't have to argue for us in terms of philosophy. If we can prove the Torah is true, then that itself is a description of philosophy. Because the, Torah, the whole the structure of being Mechaivah to the Mitzvah doesn't work with the principle of how philosophy works. Which is the approach which was taken by the Rabbi here, and like I said, by a lot of Akronim as well. So that's an introduction to the concept. Vezashim for tomorrow, we'll start with this Hanacha, so we'll, we'll read what the philosopher said to him, and understand where the philosophy is coming from, and why Taka presented the threat of Kalisha.